Hello, welcome to another episode of I Love Rock and Roll. I'm Ken Krantz. And I am Chip Chantry. And let's get right to it. Okay. Yeah, we have we have two really incredible special guests today, um, and they're promoting just um, an unbelievable charity. So let's get right to it. Uh, our first guest is a drummer of a band. Drumming is going to be the theme tonight. He's the drummer of a rock band that has sold um, over 100 million albums worldwide. He's a member of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, one of only five rock groups to sell more than 10 million original studio albums, an artist, a philanthropist. Uh, welcome Rick Allen of Def Leppard to the show. Fantastic. Thank you. Nice introduction. Thank you. Yeah, I, I, we're comedians, so we got a lot of time on our hands during the day. So I try and, <laughs> I try and do my research. No, I, everybody, you know, everybody said, uh, says you're a musician, right? I said, no, I'm a magician. <laughs> <laughs> um, our next guest, also the drummer of a band who is, I think they're coming up on, on their 30th uh, anniversary. Uh, he's sold 16 million albums worldwide, three top 20 albums, three Grammy nominations. Welcome Zach Hansen to the show. Fantastic. I feel like, uh, you know, I, I should have been announced first because I know so I, I, I realized. Oh. Yeah. So. Uh, well, just just wait until you find out how many albums Ken and I have sold. Uh, it's 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 pretty it's pretty rough. Well, yeah. Chip and I each have uh, a couple albums out. So between the four of us, we've sold in excess Millions. of one hundred and sixteen million. Yep. Yes, we have all together. Excellent. Yeah. Um. <laughs> So, Rick, you are here. You're here. You, you're here with Zach to promote your um, really fantastic charity. So why don't we lead with that? Um, yeah. Um, um, myself and Lauren, we set uh, Raven Drum Foundation up in 2001. Uh, 2006, I visited um, Walter Reed uh, Army Medical Center and obviously connected with uh, with our veterans. Uh, really, you know just it, there was a, a mutual respect and it seemed obvious to uh, to us to just move into really fo focusing on on our vets um so um, fast forward to uh, this 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 auction um uh, 12 drummers drumming you know to you know the the whole uh, sort of tradition of gift giving you know during christmas and uh, we thought it'd be a fantastic idea to you know, to call some of our friends and uh, get in touch with uh, some of these most, some of the most incredible drummers on the planet. And um, I realized that even with people that I didn't know, I had this incredible support system uh, in the drumming community and everybody came forward and immediately said yes to donating items that will go toward um, helping Raven Drum and in turn helping our veterans um, you know, with, with, with trauma, with, uh, PTSD, with traumatic brain injury, and in particular, um, you know, suicide prevention. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's a, so it's a heavy subject, but you know, uh, somebody has to talk about it. So, um, as a, as a collective, you know, with all these drummers, uh, we're raising our voices and doing something about it. Yeah. I watched, uh, I watched your, um, you guys were both on it. The Modern Drummer 
podcast that, yeah, that you just that did. Cool. Yeah. And it's, it's, it sounds like, um, it, it's such an amazing cause that it's probably not hard to, to rally people for it anyway. But some of the drummers that you've gotten for this, um, I saw, I saw Ringo, Ringo Starr broke his, uh, you know, as of October 20th, I won't sign what, anything. What, what, what band is he with again? He <laughs> was, um, I think he, I think he was in the wings or something. Yeah. yeah. It was so funny because I reached out to his son and because uh, we, we got to open for uh, for the Who uh, down in Brazil probably about four years ago. And I, I had Zach's uh, uh, email, so I reached out to him, nothing. And then finally he gets back to me and he's like, sorry, man, you know, I've, I've got a, you know, new baby, uh, a new record label, da-da-da-da-da, things have been chaos, you know, and uh, I hope I'm not too late. I got my dad to send a snare drum, and I felt like writing back to him. You know, if, if I knew him if I knew him better, I would have said something like, yeah, never late, you know, who's your dad again? <laughs> <laughs> you can't. <laughs> you know what's um i i should mention i should i should give a, a thank you we, we've thanked her so many times on this podcast but i want to say thank you to Lori baker because she's the one who who put this together for us but i text her as a joke after she told me that she was working on getting you guys as a joke i text her like hey uh ask ringo too, see if he'll come on and i'm I'm not sure, but I think she may have. Like, she texted me back. She was like, oh, Ringo said he doesn't do podcasts. I said, no, no, you got to be careful, you know, because these these people, the people that we're working with, they, you know, they're re they're really well connected. Yeah. And, uh, and, and again, between us, I mean, before this, myself and Zach, um, we'd never met, you know. It, um, we actually met through a mutual friend, uh, a guy uh, called the... Uh, Jim Scott, the legendary Jim Scott, mm -hmm. um, who's, you know, if you look on the back of uh, uh, most records that you that you love, uh, Jim probably had something to do with it. So uh, so I, I know Jim, I, I'll let Zach tell the story because I know Jim asked him. Well, Jim Scott is sort of like a, a professional making other people sound better, look better, you know, secret <laughs> records for famous producers, kind of stuff like that. But yeah, we were in the studio uh, working on a new project with Jim and uh, he, he comes over and goes, uh, hey, are you interested in signing something for Rick Allen's charity? I go, yeah, what do I need to do? <laughs> <You know? laughs> and then I heard a little bit about what it was. I mean, immediately, I think drummers want to come together, period. But then the connection to veterans and to sort of suicide prevention and PTSD and all of that really is close to my heart. And uh, just getting a little glimpses of that in my personal life with friends who've been in the service. You know, I'm from Oklahoma and we have, I think it's the largest per capita uh, amount of veterans in, in this state. Oh, wow. Know, but there's a lot of veterans. And so um, you inevitably know somebody who's been through uh, some pretty crazy experiences. Mm -hmm. and so, you know, just getting a chance to kind of step in and give something. I was in the studio. I didn't have. Uh, access to, you know, uh, all of my drums and things, but uh, trying to give something and, and then help get the word out. Hey, Zach, you know? what, what are you giving, uh, auctioning off? 
So, so I, I feel so small. All, all I had at the moment was a drum head. And so I drew on the drum head and tried to kind of make it special. And uh, my, my hope is if, if Rick will allow me, you know, next year when this comes back around, I assume it'll come back around, then I can really uh, give him something super cool, some cymbals or snare drums, things are played on records. You uh, know what? He's so humble, guys. He's, <laughs> he's, he's, you, I mean, you should see what he did. He said, he said, a drum head. No, he did a work of art on this, on this drum head. And, uh, you know, we're, we're the recipients of this. And we're just, I think Zach's response was so typical of, uh, of all of the drummers. Um, there was no hesitation. It was like, yeah, where do I sign up? You know? And, uh, we're just so appreciative, Zach. You know that. Thank you. Well, I mean, the, the list of drummers and all the bands and all the influences that they've had on music fans, particularly rock fans, obviously, mm. because rock and roll music go round. Um, it, it's kind of humbling to be in the presence of this list of, you know, Chad Smith and Ringo Starr and Sheila E and Rick Allen. And like yeah. the list just keeps going. And I'm like, it keeps going on. Yeah. And, and what Zach Hansen down to the bottom. Oh, stop. Stop. <laughs> it's, it's not that it's no. I mean, you have had you've inspired so many people, Zach. I mean, you know, the reach that you had. And, and and that was that was actually one of the things that I was thinking about this morning. I'm like, what do me and Zach have in common? Hmm. Yeah, we right. play drums, but I think one of the things that is really important to mention is that the two of us were still in diapers when we joined yes. our first band. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, I had that in my notes. So Zach, you were, <laughs> you were, you were six, you were six when you started. I was, I was six when we started, but I was nine when it first dropped. But the interesting thing about our band was we were already going, right? We already had gigs. The, the week I got a drum set, I played a show playing the drum. I knew two drum beats and I played both of them, you know, the whole show. You know? <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, you know, the good thing is I learned two beats also. I think that's pretty standard. And then through the years, I learned a third one. But then I realized that I didn't need that one. <laughs> I just, just went the two. I just yeah. went back to the two. Yeah, why not? Now, did, did you, are you both self-taught? Did you did you take lessons? Did you progress through the years, or, or since you started at such a young age, do you think it came more naturally to you? Zach, well, so I took about I don't know three months worth of drum lessons, and then honestly, most of the things that I've learned was through kind of drummers I met along the way, people I had to play like. Uh, you know, some of that first record was performed by uh, Abel Boreal Jr. Um, and and having to learn to cop Abe, he was uh, young early in his career, but man, just an epic drummer. Love him. And so you just learn through listening. I mean, I guess self-taught. I, I don't think of it as self-taught as much as mimicking other people. Sure. That really love what they do. Yeah. That, that, that's a similar story to me. Um, I mean, you know, my, my friend got a guitar for Christmas. So the first thing I did, I went home and I said, can I have a drum kit? And my parents said, no, we can't afford that. So then about a week later, they came back and they said, okay, if you go for lessons and you do some odd jobs around the neighborhood and around the house, maybe we could get a drum kit on layaway. But the most important thing was they sent me to lessons 
so that I didn't lose interest. You know, mm-hmm. I, I at least knew something. I had a knowledge of the instrument when I when I finally got the kit. And um, my parents were just super, super supportive, you know, and, and, and the same as Zach. It was more listening to my favorite dramas. And um, I mean, the highest form of compliment, you know, I would try and copy what they did, but I could never play it exactly the same. So I just, I just, uh, I just made it my own. I did an interpretation of, of of what I thought they were playing, and you know, people seemed to like it. So, uh, so it, you know, it's 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 more just just being borrowing things and, mm-hmm. and being inspired by other dramas, and that's really ha- how you end up, you know, just 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 uh, expanding your horizon, you know. Absolutely. Now, and, now, and we we might get into this later. We, I'm sure you get asked a lot, like, who are your favorite drummers of all time? Or, you know, who do you consider some of the greatest? Uh, Everybody who, in the 12 drummers. Every, every single one of the 12 drummers. They're all drumming. <laughs> each each one of the 12. Is there somebody either today or just historically that you are just such a huge fan of that maybe most people know, but just don't think of, you know, you have your John Bottoms, your, your you know, uh, you know, th- th- those people. But is there somebody who you're like, wow, they're sort of a sleeper drummer where people might not realize it's like, wow, they are really one of the best. Um, Zach, do you, uh, do you, I'm sure there's a couple, you know, you're trying to look up his name, you know, uh, one of the, Oh, what's the name of the spin doctors drummer? Uh, oh, he's tight. I, for, I forget his name, but yeah, I, uh, I, I mean, they're just such tight musicians. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, I'm oh. just trying to think. Uh, cause, cause I feel like almost like, I feel like to a certain extent, maybe we were obviously talking about Charlie Watts. Uh, you unfortunately when he passed away this year, somebody who people might not think of like right away as like this big bombastic drummer, of course, but I'm, just one of the best. I've got one. I've got one. Uh, I just uh, I just became friends with uh, Jim Keltner. Mm-hmm. Uh, now Jim Keltner, um, in musical circles, he is known by everybody. But in terms of the general public, I don't I don't think he's necessarily known. But I mean, he played on all the um, all the all the solo records that John Lennon did. In fact, he played with three of the four Beatles. So. Mm-hmm. He's just one of those drummers that inspired all of us as as, as musicians, mm-hmm. but isn't necessarily known to the rest of the world. So he's yeah. like a drummer's drummer. Yeah. yeah well, and I remember I, I've known a, uh, about Jim Keltner for a long time because he's from Oklahoma. And so, you know, Oklahomans, they, they stick together in that sense of like, you know, who's from here because it's just such a small group of people who break through. But it is, yeah, it's amazing when you look at his the this discography of, of records he played on, and I think it was um, it was a, a story I heard of Jim where uh, he walked into the studio and they said, "Hey, we want you to play to a click." He said, "Ah, he goes, what tempo is it? Play it to me." He sat there for like two minutes, turned it off. He goes, "I got it." He goes, "You don't want to hear it?" He said, "No, I got it." Walks out, played it exactly to the BPM. Wow. That's talent. That's, that's really talent. Um, it's, it's, it's really, it's really tricky to do that. I think that was one of the the most difficult things for me, uh, was especially being a, a, a young person, you know, playing drums is my excitement would get the better of me and I would end up playing, you know, songs so fast that the rest of the guys in the band were like, you know, we can't keep up kind of mm-hmm. thing. 
but it was just pure exuberance. It was, it was, I was full of beans and just excited to be doing it. And, um, you know, I think, uh, I think a little bit of uh, experience and wisdom, and then you learn to, uh, to sit on those tempos and make those songs sound powerful, you know? Yeah. Um, let's um i want to get back to so rick you were you were 15 when you joined def leppard yeah i uh, i actually skipped the last uh, last year of school i joined around about my 15th birthday and then i've been playing with local bands uh from the age of uh, of 10 um and then at the ripe old age of 14, I, I wanted to quit the business because <laughs> I, I was just, I was fed up of playing cover songs. And anyway, I saw this article in the local newspaper and it said leopard loses skins. So we, <laughs> we and I'd heard of them. Um, so we called up and uh, a few days later, I got to meet Steve uh, Clark and Joe Elliott at the local club. And then I think a day or two after that, I, uh, I was in their rehearsal room at this old spoon factory in Sheffield, big steel town. And, um, and the old drummer came back. He wanted his job back, uh, which was kind of embarrassing. There were two other drummers beside myself and, uh, everybody's trying to decide who's going to go first. And I'm like, don't worry about it. You know, I'll, I'll go last. Just give myself a little bit more sort of learning room. Mm-hmm. and uh, listen to what everybody else did. And then when I played, I just kept it simple, uh, smiles all around the room, and then uh, they asked me to join. And uh, that was right before my 15th birthday. Wow. And then, and then how old were you when, when you hit big? Um, we started getting some, some, some recognition uh, sort of around uh, – I think 1979 when we opened up for ACDC on the Highway to Hell tour, mm-hmm. that was a huge boost for us. And then, um, and then really, you know, we blew the doors off with uh, Pyromania in, in 1983. Mm-hmm. That, that's when it really registered uh, worldwide, uh, particularly in, in, in the United States of America. So thank you, U.S., you're yeah. welcome. We'll take credit for that. <laughs> All right. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so you're so you're 19 or 20 when when you're when when you uh, like gotten to the top. Um, I mean, I never saw it that way. I was just doing what I love doing. Um, so I never, you know, I never really saw it as 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 a, a scale of, mm-hmm. of of a success. I was just doing what I loved and doing it from my heart. And um, I guess it was it was one of those things. You you wake you wake up one morning, and you go, "Wow, I've I, I've got a bank account." Yeah. <laughs> Chip and I are still waiting for that morning. Yeah, one of these days is going to be great. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> So, so I'm curious, Zach, so you're, um, how old were you when, I mean, you guys sort of took off right away, right? With, with your, with your main, with, uh, your main label debut. So we, we had been a band for about five years, uh, when, uh, we released that first major record that was middle of nowhere. And, (laughs) uh, so, I mean, I think for us, it felt like that we, we had put the, the years in, like we had probably played 300 shows at that point. 
but but I think for everyone else, it was sort of like you, you can't have put any time in. You're 12, you know. Yeah. And uh, and uh, so I mean, it was it was a big deal. And I think I think Rick is the way he proceeded saying you don't really think about being at the top. I think it, it's true, especially when you've never been there. It's such a new experience that you're kind of you're just taking it moment by moment. You're trying to kind of get through and, and make sure you don't lose the joy of why you got there in the first place. Um, but yeah, it's pretty epic and, and to be three decades later and still like what we do. And still, you know, as soon as the pandemic will let us touring all over the yeah. world. You know. No, it's, it's, it's true. And, you know, people have come up to me and they'll, they'll be like, you know, I, I hope I'm not bothering you, but, you know, can I, can I have a picture or, you know, could you sign something? I said, you're, you're not bothering me. It's, if, it, it, it's when people stop asking that would <laughs> right, right. Sure. Because I, I think as I get older, I, I'm more appreciative, um, you know, counting blessings, you know, just the, 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 the fact that I'm still here. I have a wonderful career. Um, that's enough. That's enough for me. And I'm, I'm really I'm really grateful, you know, to uh, to the people that had faith in us and, and, and particularly the fans that followed us. I'm curious about because I know I keep coming back to this, but it's fascinating to me, like how navigating fame at, at such a young age, Zach, especially you, like you're still you're still in the formative years and you're touring the world. And it's I know that, um, you know, we're, we're all we're all performers and, and we love what we do. So so most of the time it doesn't feel like you're working. But do you ever look back and you're like. Like, wow, I had this I had this job and major grown up responsibilities at at nine and 10 and 11 years old. Yeah, yeah. It's it's an interesting thing because um, I think what it causes you to do is develop really fast in some areas. But of course, you have all these other kind of normal things that you, you never quite learn how to do mm-hmm. in a way. I mean, my wife, uh, 15 years, she'll look at me sometimes just go. It's so hard to be the only adult here <laughs> half because I'm a drummer and half because you, you kind of, when you go uh, a, a normal life experiences to kind of get your first job and then you get a little income and you learn to pay your taxes and you kind of, you do these little steps and you build into hopefully that executive position in life where you have a boat and a house and all your dreams and those things. Uh, and, you know, and when you go from being a, a kid that, that is like mowing a lawn for 20 bucks, you know, yeah. to making millions of dollars and touring the world and having to pay taxes in like 60 countries, you just can't, you can't learn how to do that. You just have to rely on people. And, and so it kind of, it makes you, um, you, you still have to grow up in that way. It just happens way later in life in a different kind of context. Things get mixed around and you can't get mad about it. You just have to say, I'm so experienced in this way, but I, I just, I can't, you know, I've, I've got to do this other stuff in my thirties that people do in there. Like, yeah. I, I can totally relate to that. Um, you know, uh, all we want to do really is just be creative. Um, and it is so important to surround yourself with people that you trust. Um, you know, I was very fortunate. I got to work with my brother, uh, because I, I didn't have a driving license. So he, he would drive me with my equipment, you know, to the rehearsal sessions and to shows and this, that, and the other. 
And I'm sure with Zach, you know, having having his family around, particularly, you know, having family in the band, mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, it's nice to be able to lean on people and 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 just really become a become a team. Um, you know, some of the some of the emotional intelligence isn't necessarily there. But as Zach says, you know, that 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 comes later with experience. Yeah. Um, you know, speaking of working together as a team, I, I'm really going to show my hand and I, I think I know a lot about music, but I'm going to show how little I, I do right now. Whenever you hear about a, a rhythm section of a band, you know, the rhythm section, you know, the, the drums and the bass together, uh, obviously, you know, drums is a rhythm instrument. Uh, what is that? What is that connection between drums and bass that that hold that together? Do you feel like there is a, a real connection there between the two? I mean, I do. Zach mentioned it the other day, um, you know, when we when we we all got together for the modern drama thing. And it's that tri it's that it's that a primal is tribal. Um, and this rhythm does something. There's there's some sort of magic that happens when when you hear uh, a drum rhythm. And then when you start to add other instruments, you add drum and bass and everything else, then it becomes this, uh, this magical force. Um, and at that point to me, it's the intention behind the music. Like, uh, how did you feel when you, uh, when you, when you, when you recorded the music or how do you feel when you play the music to people? And to me, it, it's, it's such a wonderful delivery system because all that great intention just goes out to all the people. And that that's that's the thing to me that's the blessing, you know? Yeah. Well, I think oh, that's great. Talking about so kind of gotta get into the psychology of what each instrument is doing, right? And bass and drums um to be too broad, but are almost always playing something rhythmically supportive of each other. Yeah. Whether it's artist written first and the drums come to support it or the other way around, which I would say is usually how it happens. Bass comes in to give melody to the drums in a lot of ways. And, um, and so you, you have to play together. And when you play really great together, you become a section and you become this big melodic instrument. Uh, if you've ever been to a, a dance club that didn't have subwoofers, it's not a dance club, right? There's, there's nothing in the low end, the right. low end, the kick drum, the floor tom, and the bass guitar move everyone right yeah. that is movement happens and so you have to do that uh we we're just recording a new project and uh, i had a great guitarist to play bass on some songs and when we finished i said hey i hope you don't mind i'm gonna have my bass player play it when i get back to oklahoma because <laughs> i love you the part is great but the way he plays is like like i play he plays with me he's played with me for almost a decade and it just there's just that 10% that equals like 25% feel. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's, something, there's something unique about, you know, uh, the drummer um, and, and his personality and what he adds to, uh, to the band. And it's the same with bass players. It's, it's, it's interesting. Everybody has a, a, a certain um, personality uh, based on the instrument that they, uh, they, they play. So, you know, it's, uh, again, it's a team, you know? Yeah. I, th I think to, to both your points, I think what a lot of people don't realize, like when you're dancing to a rock song, you're, you're dancing to the drummer, 
Like yeah. I, I have, um, I have a, I have a five-year-old daughter and she is, she just likes to bust my chops with everything. So like, I love, I'm a big rock music guy. So she's always telling me how much she hates my music. You know, anything I put on, oh, this band is garbage. I, this is terrible. And I keep trying to, I, her middle name is Jagger. The Stones are my favorite band ever. So I'm, I'm trying to make this kid cool <laughs> and I'll put on the Stones and she tells me, Daddy, I hate this. Turn it off. But then I notice she's dancing and she doesn't even realize she's dancing. You know, I put on Not Fade Away and she's, you know, she's shaking her little booty to it. And yeah. And I'm like, you're you're dancing the Charlie Watts right now. While you're telling me you hate this, you don't even realize that it's moving you. Uh, that's that. that That's cool. I um, Right when my my oldest daughter started driving. Um, I was, I, I'd go in the car, clean up a little bit, uh, check to see if she was doing something or anything that she shouldn't be doing. And, uh, I'd turn the radio on and it was so cool. She'd be like listening to Ozzy's Boneyard or she'd be listening to just to, to music that, uh, that I grew up listening to. And I, I said to her, I said, uh, I said, you know, the, the music you're listening to is, is it something, is it because you know me? She said, no, all my friends are into it. Now. So, <laughs> so, so, so I, I became cool. <laughs> Through that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Drummer of one of the biggest bands of all time. And just, but yeah, your dad though first. So that's, yeah. What, yeah. <laughs> Zach, I, I was watching an interview with you and your brothers and you said something that I thought was so funny. Um, They'd asked if you would let it, they were asking all of you if you'd let your kids. I know that you between your brothers, you you have a lot of kids and they were asking five. God, that's that's too many. I'm going to say it's too many. <laughs> um, but they asked, would you let your kids go into music? And and one of your brothers said he wasn't sure, you know, it's such a hard business and I would have to advise them, you know, how difficult a path it is. And then you and then they asked you and you said, well, I, I guess it depends if they're good. <laughs> you know if, what? If, and I That's thought it was so line, man. It's such a great answer, but it's it's true. If it's 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 a hard road. But if you're not good, it's a really hard road. Yeah, it is. Uh, by the way, who is it that has five kids? So I have five. Uh, and then the brother right above me has seven. Do, do you guys have TV? <laughs> Just like the other thing. Fantastic, man. Good for you. <laughs> have 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 either of your kids uh are are they into music or do, are they showing interest? So I have two kids who seem to be interested in it. One of my girls, my older girl, likes to sing it, and my second son. Uh, he plays piano all the time. It sort of reminds me of myself because uh, I don't think I would have done music nearly as early without two older brothers who were really invested mm -hmm. in it. It's kind of like uh, they said, we need somebody to sing the melody. They kind of looked around and I was standing in the corner. You know? um, but it is genetic. It's one of those things that like that sense of rhythm, um, the kind of mind you have for harmony, you know, usually comes as a package in a family, like get those genes. It's really a question of whether you decide to make something of it. Right. Or, or 
Um, you know, my kids, I'm not going to encourage them to do anything that we're best in something, you know, and if that's music, then music. I mean, there's, you can't quite see here, there's a Rhodes and a Nord over there and a guitar and a bass. And you know, there's about 11 drum sets around the corner out here, you know, I'm at my studio. And uh, so it's like, it's available to you if you want it. Now, grab it. Sure. You know, that's a really good point. I, I never wanted to push my kids into into doing anything that they didn't want to do. Um, but uh, it's in there. It's in their DNA. And uh, my youngest daughter, she plays uh, she plays piano at a pretty pretty good level. Um, not always uh, thrilled about practicing, but uh, who was? I mean, I, I I enjoyed playing with other musicians, and that was where my joy. Uh, for the for the instrument came out it wasn't necessarily sitting there you know practicing you know till till like you know till my hand was bloodied um but you know what you you have to let your kids kind of discover things on their own mm -hmm. and i think leading by example is great you know when she sees me playing drums or she sees myself and my wife playing together um i i think i think that that is an important factor that it's not as telling her what to do it's just doing it and 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 making out like this is just a normal thing which for us it is right know? um it, also i, I want to get back to the uh, to the 12 drummers drumming real quick uh is there an item that both of you are, or each of you looking at right now that you want to steal that you're going to bid on that you're like this is this is the item that that i that i need to have right now I don't think you're supposed to bid on your own auction, mm -hmm. but but I, I have bid. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's great. Hey, it's go. It's, it's going it's to a good money. Cost, so money. why not? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, let me say, I, I love I, you. See this a lot. I think it has something to do with space and the way drummers sort of divide their brains. But but looking at Rick's art that's sitting behind him, mm -hmm. I mean, that's one thing I'd love to have that sitting on my wall because I. I, I love the, the creative expression of drummers who are you know, they're living in this rhythmic world. And then almost in so many cases I find drummers are great visual artists. Yes. Drummers are drummers they, they, because they've learned to kind of compartmentalize and find the spaces between. And uh, it obviously does something to your ability to move a brush or a, mm -hmm. or a air, you know, in space. So that's right. a pretty awesome. And and Charlie Charlie Watts was uh, he, he was he was a very good artist. He he sketched every hotel room he he ever stayed in, which must have been I mean tens of thousands. He was he was a really uh, beautiful guy. I, I I got to meet him at a charity event uh, hosted by Elton John, and I got to meet Charlie. And uh, he was just a sweet person. And you probably heard me say this, you know, he was very, he was very content, uh, very happy in his own skin. And, and he really, you know, he, he just had this air of everything's cool. Um, whereas, you know, some of the other guys in the band were a little, uh, you know, uh, uh, different. <laughs> <laughs> but, but Charlie was always very grounded and, uh, you know, it was it was a it was an absolute honor to meet him. And he was just very sweet and kind. And, uh, you know, that in my book is, you know, that that's that's somebody that's somebody that I'm going to look up to. 
Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think we, and we talked about Charlie Watts a few weeks ago and I, I think my favorite thing about him and, and I'm a big stones fan too, but the way that he would r- refer to the stones where he would say, like, if he's going out on tour, he would always say, I'm going out on tour with them. Like yeah. he was, it was sort of like a set. He's like, I'm going out on tour with like to the circus with them. You know, I, I'm doing my thing. And I, when, when Ken and I, yeah. when, I think it was Ken, you told me about that. Yeah. I think that was just like the, the coolest thing I think right. I'd ever heard. Yeah. It was never us. It was, it was they and them. <laughs> Which... Well, you know, I, I, maybe he was very different, you know, uh, very private person, yeah. you know, um, you know, sort of the, the face of the Rolling Stones that not everybody uh, new. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, but you know, we, 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 we were blessed to have him and it's very sad that he's gone. And this is the least, this is the least I can do is paying homage to, to, to Charlie. Yeah. And this one, you know, that's an, that's an amazing painting behind you. I, I saw, I was watching your piece on ABC news and they, they were, um, they were displaying a lot of your artwork and, uh, you had a you had an Aladdin Sane era David Bowie that that would that jumped right out at me that that was great. I mean that era of Bowie to me, you know, with uh, Woody Woodman, C. Trevor Boulder, mm-hmm. um, um, who was the guitar player? Mick Ronson. Mick Ronson. That 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 band was just. I think that in probably inspired everything that I do to this day. Yeah. <laughs> You know, Rick, I'm curious because we watched um, uh, I, I know Joe Elliott's a big fan, but Chip and I early on discovered the uh, we stumbled on the Joe Bryath documentary. Were were you also a big Joe Bryath fan? Um, um, not no, I, I, I didn't discuss. No, not really. Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. It was just such an it, it, yeah, it was such an interesting story that we just never you know, it's one of those things that just totally flew under the radar that we both consider ourselves pretty big rock fans and just to never hear that story. And then for, for it to come up, we just thought it was really interesting. No, it's, um, no, I mean, you know, we take our inspiration from, from the, the strangest places sometimes, Mm -hmm. um, you know, um, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're all human, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Do you do you guys remember what what was the first um, the first album or the first big song that that changed your life where where you said I'm I think maybe this is this is what I want to do. Oh, oh, that's hard. Yeah, I mean, we as uh, me and my brothers, we, we first probably were inspired by kind of 50s and 60s music. Mm-hmm. So for our parents. We happened to be listening to kind of oldies radio and, and we lived overseas because our dad had this job where he was in uh, parts of Central America and South America. Uh, but honestly, I think the first thing that, that probably for me was don't worry, be happy. Uh, Bob McMahon. Oh, mm-hmm. Sure. It was a monster hit. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was huge. What a genius song. Um, for me, it had to have been because I, I couldn't afford to buy uh, LPs in those days. So I'd go, I'd go into Sheffield, which was the, the, the major city, and uh, buy singles. I'd save up enough money to buy singles. I think one of the, the songs that, that really hit me was uh, a song by Norman Greenbaum called uh, Spirit in the mm-hmm. Sky. Do you remember that? Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, uh, that, and then I think when 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 Queen, uh, you know, sort of just exploded onto the scene, anything that Queen did to me was just it was gold. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I was watching your um, Brian May inducted you into the Hall of Fame, right? Yes, he did. What an honor. What did that mean? I you you got uh you got like a one minute standing ovation from from everybody in that room. What did that mean? I mean, you were you were very clearly choked up, but what did what was, I was going through? I you? was um you know um for starters, I just got off tour and uh, I got word that you know we were going to have to go to New York and do this and. To be honest, it was a bit of an inconvenience because I just got off the road and I wanted to be at home. But then they said, oh, you know, you've got to go to New York, do some press, this, that and the other. And then I started to realize how much a big deal this was and how much this 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 meant. And and I think the, the biggest thing for me was the largest fan vote in the history of the Hall of Fame. Um, Is that right? Fans wow. Got oh, it. wow. Our fans got it. Um but we always felt like we didn't get enough love from the industry. Mm-hmm. But then fast forward, standing up on stage and seeing rock and roll royalty everywhere. And then, you know, seeing our fans up in, you know, in, in the in the higher sort of echelons of the, the gig and, and just all this respect and love coming towards us. I just I just got overwhelmed with 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 emotion. It, and it was it was just everything that I'd been through. And, and and people showing that outpouring, um, it, it just it just nailed me. I you know I di- I didn't realize that uh, that I would get that emotional, but it it, it was it was uh, it was it was a very a very touching moment. Right. Well, it, well, it's like you said before that you're you're not thinking about what you've done or where you are or the impact you've had. You're just living your life trying to. Um, have fun and entertain people and and maybe you don't you don't get a sense of just just how much love there is no and it's moments like that when it all comes to a point it all comes to a head and and you really see that uh wow you know we've accomplished a lot and we've made a lot of people happy along the way and 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 that and that energy comes back to you you know Mm-hmm. Was it? Was it? I'm. I'm sure uh, that must have made it worth the wait, right? Absolutely. I mean, at a certain point, you know, uh, they said we'd been, you know, nominated this, that, and the other. But I think uh, our old manager, Cliff Bernstein, and I think uh, John Bon Jovi were very instrumental mm-hmm. in 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 convincing, you know, the board that 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 Def Leppard should be part of the the Hall of Fame. Oh, that's great. Um, Rick, you mentioned before touring with ACDC on the Highway to Hell tour, which this led. I'm read. I'm reading this uh, really fascinating Bon Scott biography right now, and I know that that was this legendary tour. But I also know that you have played with just about everybody over the last forty years. So, who who are some of your favorite bands to go out on the road with? Well, I think I think that that lineup of ACDC was probably one of the most inspiring. Um, they were probably one of the best live bands that I'd ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember seeing them at uh, the Glasgow Apollo and uh, myself and Joe, we ventured out into the audience 
and they started out with a song called Live Wire, mm-hmm. where it's just this, this 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 sort of pulsating sort of bass, and the crowd started jumping up and down to the point where the middle of the balcony was moving uh, two feet up and down. I mean, it was the whole place was moving. So wow. we, me and Joe kind of crept off to the side because, you know, we were like, this doesn't feel right. But they were probably, yeah, the most inspiring band to tour with and, and a great way for us to, to, to just be inspired and, and, and you know, somehow uh, take a little bit of that from ACDC and be, uh, be, be at least as good a band uh, as 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 ACDC, so yeah, that that was that was a special moment in time. That's yeah. got to be amazing. Yeah. yeah you, you, oh, good. No, okay. Go ahead, Chip. Uh, speaking of being on tour, I just have a logistical question for for both of you. Uh, you know, Ken and I are on the road a lot do, doing stand up. Do you each have a either a ritual or something that people might not think of that you do when you're on tour, whether it's something little, something big, something meaningful, meaningful, whatever that just either keeps you in shape, keeps you sane on the road uh, that that people might not know that you just do each day or each tour you go out. Zach. <laughs> Uh, you know, I mean, being a drummer is sort of ritualistic in the first place, the mm-hmm. way you're, the way your drum set set up every night, sort of checking everything. So there's, there's definitely stuff, but it's stuff I can share. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, say the, the only thing that I require is, uh, no band talk about two hours before going on stage, because that's just one way to have the worst performance of your life is to have like a band meeting. Sure. Right before- yeah. Just clear your head. Right. You just, you just can't do that. I've do it, done it so many times and just, you walk off stage, you go, why did we do it? Why did we do it? And then uh, no Indian food. Yeah. <laughs> no, that, that's, that's, that's a good one. I mean, you know, a couple of hours before the show, I really, I really need to spend time alone. Um, because, um, I mean, I don't have to, I don't have to amp myself up at all. I'm already amped up. Uh, and, um, you know, just this, this, this anxiety comes over me and it's every single show. So, you know, I'll, I'll stand there and I'll breathe and connect with the earth and feel my feet on the floor and do all that stuff. And just, just really, just really try and calm myself down as much as I can. Um, and then um, days off, I love to get out and and just walk and just discover the city um, that we're in. And, th- and that's 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 always a nice way to get you know get some exercise, and then just get to know the local people. You know, um, it's I, it's pretty pretty simple you know, pretty simple way of life I have. Uh, and, um, you know, we do, we do all the same things that, that, that you guys do, you know, it's, and, and, and ritual is an interesting term because you can, you can make anything into a ritual, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, uh, but for me, for me, yeah, before, before a show, it's, it's really just, just, just trying to relax as much as I can. Um, I realize that my power in my playing it is in the relaxation, that sort of open-eyed meditation, uh, 
or getting into the zone, you know. And after after you know the first bar, first two bars of the first song, then I'm like, well, why was I so anxious? Because I'm just then I'm in my element, and I, I'm you know. It's like it feels like 10 minutes later, the show is over because it keeps me in the moment. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's funny you say that. I, th- I think a lot of performers go through it. I know with me before every single show, as I'm walking up, I'm I'm I always have the same thought. I always think this is so dumb. Why am I doing this? Why did these people pay to see a stranger make like, don't these people know anyone funny? Like this whole thing just seems insane. And um, it, it is this moment of anxiety that I have. And I'm always like, this is the night that I'm, they're going to, I'm, I'm going to be found out. They're going to discover that I'm, I'm a hack, you know, it's, it's, I'm, and then I get up there and you get the first big laugh and then you're just completely out of your head and you're in the moment and it's, and then I always think like, oh, that was so much fun. I, I have to stop doing that before every show, but I still do it before every show. Yeah. Why can't think, we lock into that earlier in the day? Yeah. Yeah. I think I think we're just we're just uh, super, super critical of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as a performer, you, you want that p- performance to be as good as it was last night or the night before. And you're looking for that consistency. And. I think part of my fear is not being able to do it as well as I did it last night. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> and do you, are you afterwards, do you beat yourself up too much? Are you, are you, are you in your head about little mistakes that you make that, that for sure nobody noticed except you or maybe who's in your band? I see. I, I find, and maybe we have a crazy set of fans, but they almost love it more when they, when they realize that they saw us mistake. You yeah. Know, they saw, oh, oh, what's going on. And, and I know our, our band on stage, there's a real kind of uh, dynamic of when you catch somebody messing up, you kind of acknowledge it and you laugh at it and it, it makes it okay. Because I mean, obviously if you were doing that all the time, you right. have a problem. Right. A little thing and you lean over and you kind of wink it at your guitarist and go, I heard it. They go, oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's authentic. It's in the moment. You know, that's that's something that they're not going to see every night or, you know, a, a chance to do that, which I, which I think is great. I think that's why people would love it. No, we uh, we uh, we make mistakes all the time. But uh, the, I think I think part of that is if you're not making mistakes, you, 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 you're not trying. You're not trying right. hard enough. or, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, sometimes you just kind of. I don't know. You just, your mind wanders off and you just, you know, you just, you just head into a, a, a mini train wreck. Uh, but I think it's how quickly you can recover. And that's the thing. Uh, listening back to, uh, to performances where you have made a mistake, sometimes those mistakes are like, man, I wish I could do that again. Yeah. That was cool. <laughs> how, how did I do that? Yeah. How do, how do I duplicate yeah. that? Do you, do you still listen back all these years later? Or you st- do you still listen back to your performance to, to see what you did right and what you did wrong? Go ahead, Zach. Oh, um, <laughs> I, I try not to. I, I think for me, so as a songwriter and musician performer, I think your best work is when you're very content in that moment. Like the, the live moment happens there. And, mm-hmm. and there's a place for, for review and looking back and, and making sure you're not 
uh, getting worse, but getting better. But as a general rule, those done and you think about tomorrow. I mean, that, that's the way I feel because I, I think uh, more and more and more, and I saw this in this last project we've been recording with Jim Scott. Um, one of the things Jim is a master of is headspace, right? And so when you're recording, you need to spend the max amount of time in good headspace. And when it's time to perform, just like a live show, there's a moment and you perform a hundred percent of what you've got. And then you stop and you go out and you have a good meal and you listen to other people's records and you have good conversations. And then you come back in and you focus. And, yeah. and I think should be that way too, when it's best, you're not panicking over whether you're going to screw it up or whether you did screw it up. Living in that live moment, knowing you can't go backwards, you can only go forwards and, and kind of making better and better, better. Uh, it's, a, it's a healthy you know, I, I, I'm pretty, pretty much the same. You know, I, uh, I'll listen to the first few performances just to make sure that my perception of what I think I sound like, um, <laughs> <laughs> sounds as good. Uh, and sometimes it's wildly off the mark. Um, so it's just tightening things up and uh, just modifying things slightly. And then I'll start to listen to the live performances less and less. Mm -hmm. But then just, you know, every every week, every, yeah, about every week, I'll, I'll just have a listen. I don't listen, need to listen to the whole show. I just know there's certain certain parts that I, I need to keep uh, keep listening to just to make sure I'm tight. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's just that, that, that sort of, you know, listen to it, you know, learn from it and then, and then go out and do another performance and, and, and try and, you know, try and make it better. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, we're going to let you guys go in just two or three. No, minutes. no, no, no. You said no, three hours. All right, let's go. <laughs> we'll let's keep, keep going. Everybody get your lunch. No. We're doing this. <laughs> we're going to hold you to this. <laughs> um, Rick, you've got you've got a big worldwide stadium tour coming up. Yeah, that hopefully that's starting in June of 2022. Um, hopefully, you know. We're not gonna gonna get a curveball, uh, you know, coming from you know the pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, you know, hopefully at a certain point we can start to put this whole thing behind us. Um, I think it's important that people go to shows and they feel safe. And I think Live Nation and all the all the promoters that 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 promote large gatherings, whether that be sports mm -hmm. or theater or music or whatever sports. It's, uh, I think it's important that everybody feels safe. So, um, it'll, it'll go ahead as long as, uh, as long as the universe doesn't throw something at us, uh, like it did a couple of years ago. <laughs> sure. And the, the tour is with, um, is Motley Crue, Poison and Joan Jett. Do I have that right? You do. You do. And, and they're all bands that we've, We've toured with individually, mm -hmm. but never, never as a package like that. So, you know, what a wonderful opportunity to go to a show and listen to hit songs all night. Yeah. I mean, that to yeah, me is that like, that, that, that's a gift. Right. Do you feel less pressure on those nights or, or more if you're doing it, you know, shorter set or, and you're a part of a, a larger group? Um, no, it, I, I, I feel the same. We, we feel strength. In, in numbers, as it were, mm -hmm. you know, um, 
we're always very much about the whole show. It's not mm-hmm. just about our show. Um, you know, if everybody's on, if everybody's in a good headspace, like Zach was talking about earlier, then that audience are going to go home even happier, yeah. you know, and it's just, it's not, it's not about any one band. It's, it's about the whole performance. Mm-hmm. And Zach, you've got, uh, did I hear you have a 30th anniversary tour coming up? Uh, so we, we just finished releasing a, a new record called Against the World. So you can check that out. And um, then next year, um, we'll, we'll be announcing soon a, a world tour, kind of go all over the place, Europe, uh, US, Canada, you know, South America, Australia, all over that, that, that stuff. And uh, yeah, playing uh a new record next year as well and, and celebrating being a band for three decades, which is, we, we consider that it's almost enough. Like, you know, <laughs> you know it's kind of like, oh, there's that one piece of cake left. No, no, I'll, I'll have it. I'll sure. Absolutely. You. Absolutely. So Probably what, and oh. you're like, there's another cake over there. Well, maybe I'll try that cake. <laughs> um, I'm, we're going to let you go in a minute, Zach. I have I have to tell you a story. This is this is where I save this for the end because He's, Zach, I get, stop talking, Ken. Yeah. I, I need to. Ken has been so excited about this, and so I, I'm so excited for Ken to tell this story right now. This, uh, so this just, is this is either where I endear myself to you or you take out a restraining order. Um, <laughs> I, I have a fifty fifty bet on either side. I, I'm hedging. I, I, I'm even is it clean? Is it a clean story? Yeah, no, it's, it's, it is clean. It's totally it is clean. clean. No, it's just um, so uh, in 1997 or 1998, when you guys were huge, uh, my family, you, we, we had a house in the Poconos in Pennsylvania, in the mountains, and we used to throw this huge Halloween party every year, this legendary party. It went on for years. And everybody was very competitive with their costumes. You would try and keep them a secret and surprise people. And one year we got wind that my brother and his two best friends were going as I don't know if you ever saw the movie, the Paul Newman movie Slapshot, but they were going as the Hanson brothers. So we we found out who they were being without them knowing that we found out. And we we were trying to figure out how we could take the piss out of their costume. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I had an idea. I said, well, let's go as Hanson. We'll go as the other Hanson brothers. <laughs> and um, for Halloween one year, I dressed up as you. Uh, I got the blonde wig, drumsticks. We went to the Route 18 flea market in East Brunswick, New Jersey. We went to the music shop. <laughs> we bought literally every single piece of Hanson merchandise that they had in the shop. And um, we took we each took a picture of who we were being. So I took a picture of you over to the T-shirt guy. He printed your face on the T-shirt so people knew that's who I was. Um, I still have the T-shirt. I was going to bring it in, but I didn't want to full on creep you out. But I tried it on. <laughs> Every I, we've moved three times, and every time we move, my wife holds this shirt up. She's like, "Do you still need the Zach Hansen shirt?" And I was like, "Well, what if we get the band back together?" But we at at this party, we set up we set up a merch table, and we signed. I signed more autographs as you in one night than I've signed in thirteen years of doing stand up <laughs> comedy. Um, I, I signed a pair of boobs as you and, um, 
It was it was the most we won a dance contest. I think my, my one friend still is. We we brought a boombox and played mbop and won the dance contest. And um, when I told my friends I was interviewing you, everybody freaked out that that this was. Uh, it was and and I'm I'm in hindsight I'm glad I didn't bring the shirt in. But um. <laughs> no, but the, the, the cool thing is now the Hansons know to tell securities <laughs> with a picture. <laughs> if this guy comes to the back door, uh, he's not allowed in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get a good look at that face, Zach. Get a really good look at that yeah. face. <laughs> Maybe get it. Get a screenshot. And if my picture's up at Hanson shows, I understand why. But um, <laughs> it, it, it literally was the closest I've ever felt to being a rock star. And it was fun. We played it. We, we played it more like uh more like the Gallagher brothers from Oasis or the Kinks. We were like angry fighting Hanson brothers, <laughs> but it was it was probably the most fun I ever had on Halloween. So uh, I don't know how many 45 year old men come to you with a story like this. I was fairly certain you were going to say I was your first crush, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was a boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then I, you got to be me and that made you even better. Yeah. So hang. That's, uh, that's hilarious. Yes. All right. Great. Well, um, listen, by the way, I just can't wait until next year. Like TMZ is like, uh, Hanson brother, Zach Hanson goes as podcaster, Ken Krantz for <laughs> Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that would make me so happy. Um, guys, we, we can't thank you enough for coming on to do this. Just real quick, tell everybody um, where where can they go to bid on stuff? Where can they find Rick? I know you've got a big art show at short at the Short Hills Mall this weekend. Yeah, that's right. Uh, on the I think it's the is it the 20th and 21st yes. at, uh, at the, the Short Hills Mall? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Wentworth Gallery. Um, I'm not sure of the times, but uh, if you guys can uh, uh, pull that information, that would be fantastic. Yeah, sure. when, we'll 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 put it out uh, when we when we upload this. We'll include it. Cool. All right, um, guys. What was the rest of the question? <laughs> oh, um, it, it, was there anything else that you wanted yeah, to share? Just, and especially with uh, especially regards to uh, twelve drummers drumming, where can they go to find that? Oh, or, right. Is there anything so, else? Yeah. Uh, Yes, yes, now I remember. Um, um, 12 drummers drumming, uh, dot org. If they go to 12 drummers drumming dot org, or if they go to Raven Drum Foundation dot org, um, you'll be able to find, um, find out where, you know, where you can go. There's, pl there's plenty of, uh, plenty of places to, to, to find it. But, but the main, the main one is 12 drummers drumming dot org. Great. All right, guys, thank you so much. Um, thank you. It's been such a pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. Hope, hope you hope it wasn't uh, hope it wasn't too tedious. No, 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 it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, we'll be back next week. Thanks. Uh, thanks, Zach. Thank you, Rick. Thank you, guys. Take right. care. Take, Take care. care.